as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the city. The following episode of Board as Hell podcast contains some coarse and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. We normally try to keep it PG-13, but this episode, we just couldn't as we discussed John Waters and Ben Affleck. Sorry. We'll get back to normal, safer cable language and content next week. Now on with the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Board as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot. And we have a special guest with us today. We've got Brooks Bird. I'm back. Yay! Uh, remind us. Hey, Brooks. I've been. Was it The Martian last time? I think it was. No, it was this year for something. Oh, Gods of Egypt. Oh, Gods of Egypt. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, thank you, Brooks. I had tried to forget that movie. <laughs> I'll always be here to remind you. Oh. When we get to go vote for the Razzies, we can throw that one in there. So. Um, yeah. I actually, it's, I, I have a, uh, they sent me a promo copy, and it's still in my trunk of my car, and I'm kind of afraid to watch it because I have better things to do in my life, like, you know, anything. pound sand. Um, but if they no. sent me a promo copy of that, I would take it out in the backyard and smash it with a hammer. <laughs> you should just buy them at random and put them in the microwaves. Oh. Yeah, but the movie still exists. You can still stream it. Just saying. <laughs> also, my coverage is for blog critics this time. Oh, blog critics. Excellent. Because they're blue <clears throat> So, uh, where else can we see yourself, though? Aside from blog critics. So, realplace.com. Real with two E's. Come on, you better. Cool. So, Brooks uh, is here. We're actually going to talk about our movie of the week, which uh, the accountant was the only movie. Like, the only movie, yeah. Um, but at the very end, we're going to um, we're going to go over some of these new Arrow releases. And I'll let him explain towards the end um, about these kind of classic horror films and stuff. But, the accountant, uh, Ben Affleck, is an autistic superhero, I guess you could say. For lack of a better word. And you died. Talk to us about this movie. You, I think you liked it yeah. a little bit than I did. Yeah, so uh, Ben Affleck is uh, an an autistic accountant uh, who takes on random clients. We find out that actually among his clients are some of the worst people in the world, drug cartels and terrorists, and he's the guy they bring in to straighten out their books when, you know, after they've done years and years and years of money laundering, they have to come in and figure out who's skimming off the top. But this time, he has a legit job. He's brought in to a a large tech firm headed by John Lithgow, and one of their junior accountants, played by Anna Kendrick, uh, thinks that there's some money missing. So he's brought in to do a forensic accounting of it. And uh, it turns out that a lot of people are very upset that they are tracking this money. And there are other assassins on their path. And uh, immovable object meets unstoppable force. And wackiness and violence ensues. Uh, that's basically your movie and uh we get uh, also a lot of the backstory of ben affleck and growing up with autism and he had a very abusive military father who uh taught him how to fight and do all of these things so uh you know adam one of the problems that i brought up with you is that i felt like it really wasn't fair to turn autism into a superpower uh but you pointed out kind of the opposite well, yeah, so my viewpoint on it was, was 
it wasn't so much that it was his autism that was letting him be a really trained killer and all this stuff. I mean, yes, it definitely helped him with his main job of, like I said, being the accountant, going in there, uncooking the books, and actually the scene where he, um, where they drop off the last 15 years of records, and he goes through it, it's almost like a power montage. <laughs> I guess the, I can't think of any way to explain it, but it's almost like it's you're watching this brilliant person just tear things apart, dig into things, find you know clues or the way things are connected. And that, that for me, was the, the part of his having autism. The the part where he was going out there and, and was a you know stone cold killer and could fight people was due to his father, kind of again the way he raised him because he was trying to teach him to cope in a world that wouldn't accept him. So, um, as much as I joked at the beginning that this was you know an autistic superhero, uh, you know it's more it's not that that gave him special powers to go out and shoot people. It was that he was trained from a kid to be this killing machine, and um, well, it's also the lack of the emotional response. Yeah. He doesn't have that, so it allows him to be that ruthless killer that he becomes. Yeah, but then you, even if you look at it, and I don't want to—I'm not going to jump too much into spoiler territory because I mean, there is a twist that you should see coming from the first. Oh, um, yeah. we'll go there. But that the same traits he has that makes him so effective as a killing machine, someone else has. And I'm not going to say more than that because I don't want to dive into it. So no, and I was reading up on it and. Uh, the director, Gavin... Uh, the, O'Connor. O'Connor, yeah. And Ben Affleck and everyone involved, like I said, they actually went and looked up and did a lot of reading and wanted to approach this topic in a way that wasn't going to be offensive to anyone and that wasn't going to treat it um, appropriately. So it's um, not exploitative. Right? Exactly. They didn't want to be like, you know, you know, autistic blation. And no, I think I think they did, they overall did a good job of it. Uh, but I can I can kind of see where you're coming. That you know, some people could look at that and see it in a different life. Uh, but the experience mm-hmm. I have was really different. Brooks, what did you think? Oh, I completely agree with Adam. I love him, and I think that the thing that's most surprising about it is the sense of humor. I mean, for me, it reminded me a lot of Gross Point Blank, mm-hmm. and I think it really goes a long way sometimes because it's never taking itself too seriously. Yeah, there were some times where, it, but when it the does movie, have those moments. Yeah, especially when the movie first started. I was kind of like, I couldn't tell if the audience was laughing at the character, and so I was. I, I, was I think make, they were, but I think that's just the world we live in. Yeah, but I looked over at you a couple laugh times. At an autistic character. Yeah, I looked over at you and I'm like, I can't tell if it's supposed to be funny or if like if they're just being a holes about this. And then as the movie went on, it got um, funnier. Yeah, you and I when we saw the movie Slow West, oh, it was yeah. the same kind of thing where there were these little like almost felt like unintentional hilarious moments that actually made the movie a lot more fun than you would expect and you kind of needed that especially in this kind of movie where there's so much action there's so much drama it's and this is actually what I wish Man of Steel would have done yeah. was I don't need I don't need my superhero movies to all be comedies but with something like this it's kind of nice every so often to have that brief that little bit of break. levity yeah, yeah just to kind of like whew and then go on to the next scene mm-hmm. what did you think Andy? And, and we forget that Ben Affleck it can do comedy well, and it's good to see, you know, there's little bits and pieces of that from that Justice League trailer that, that we've seen. Um, my biggest problem with this movie is the direction. I wish that Ben Affleck had actually directed this. You look at uh, his work doing The Town, and the, the guy gets pacing better than Gavin O'Connor did here. The, this movie was very slow uh and you know you can be slow and methodical in a netflix series and break it up and give people easy in and out points but 
stuck in a theater for two hours uh, with with no other place to go, I, this movie just needed to pick it up a little bit. Um, oh, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. I just wish it had been paced better. The interesting thing about that, I actually read today that at one point a few years ago, it was attached to the Coen brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. They were attached to it, and then I went back into Turnaround because it was on, I think, the 2011 Blacklist. And so they were oh, cool. out, and then eventually wound up back with Warner Brothers because of Argo, I think, is how they got Ben Affleck attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, and it's so funny. They I don't know if they showed you any previews or trailers before your screening, but they showed us a trailer of Ben Affleck's new movie. That poor guy gets no respect. In the in the trailer, they're like, from the Oscar-winning director of Argo and The Town. And you're like, dude, that's, that's fucking Ben Affleck. Who's <laughs> <laughs> starring in the movie and wrote yeah. directed it. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's weird. It's really funny because the thing people need to remember, and this, this happens with Tom Cruise, which we're seeing Jack Reacher 2 next week, is... Uh, with Ben Affleck, everyone still remembers Ben Affleck from Gigli and being the D-bag from, like, Good Will Hunting and stuff. And Daredevil. And Daredevil. Which, Daredevil, the director's cut, isn't a horrible movie. It's way better. Yeah, and he's not the problem with it. No. Because uh, it's, it's from the director of Grumpy Old Men. Yeah. But people... <laughs> <laughs> Again, people need to remember that the Ben Affleck from 15 years ago has matured and grown and become a much better actor... And a much better director. I mean, he was fantastic in Gone Girl. Oh, yeah. Now he is Ben Affleck. Yeah. So, and for Argo, he should have obviously won as a, for yeah. Best Director, but that's that's another story. Um, and again, the same thing with Tom Cruise. Everyone still thinks of Tom Cruise as the crazy person jumping up and down on <laughs> Oprah's couch. When is Scientologist look- galore. Yeah. When you look at his movies, he's and never, that has an yeah. amazing resume. Exactly. Amazing resume. Uh, I can't think of a movie he's been bad in. I mean, I think it's some bad movies he's been in. Yeah. But nothing where I'm like, dear God, what is, like, what are you doing? He's always at least decent in all well, the movies. And he was even the best part of Rock of Ages. Yeah. One of. Yeah. Him and Heyman. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you get Tom Cruise singing into a butthole. I mean, that's, that's something you don't see every day. And you, oh, and you love it. Yeah. No, he was, he was fantastic. And again, for those of everyone who hated the movie Rock of Ages... Uh, you need to go see it on stage. The live version is absolutely fantastic, and it is dirty as hell. So please do not take your kids. It's not a PG-13 <laughs> adventure. Um, no. But going back to uh, the accountant, so I, I think it did kind of lull a bit in the middle. So I'm kind of with you on that. I felt it was when we got into the J.K. Simmons backstory. Yeah, it was kind of the, like, and the we find out that the, the treasury agent is just the big pawn, and yeah. she was so unnecessary. Yeah, you kind of got there, and you, you it was, I guess, maybe the, the end of the second act, beginning of the third act. Yeah, it was kind of right down before a bit. it started to get into the denouement. It also would have been kind of cool if Anna Kendrick did something. <laughs> Other than just be the cute girl next door that you're like, oh, I want to take her home. Exactly, yeah. Because um, I, I love Anna Kendrick. She's amazing. In fact, uh, we were just watching, I think, one of her first movies, Camp, the other day. Oh, wow. Which, uh, again, was from That's long 2000 ago. or something like that. It was yeah. a long time ago. Um, apparently they're making a sequel, so I guess Daniel literally needs work, hasn't done stuff since, for ten years. Stop um, bills, Adam. Exactly, right. But no, I, I, I like this movie a lot, um, but Andy, I know you were a little bit lower on it, so where did you kind of come in with the account? Yeah, I came in at six and a half out of ten. I just, I, I can't quite forgive it for the pacing and the twist that wasn't a twist. I mean, when the, 
the hoi polloi normals who are sitting behind me in the press screening are whispering to each other, oh, do you think... And I'm like, yeah, duh, that's exactly what's happening. It's like they figured it out halfway through the movie. It's... I, I just think that's not really forgivable. And, um, you know, another movie that they maybe should have looked at is John Wick. Uh, that movie was all killer, no filler. And uh, even some of the action sequences in here kind of got bogged down a little bit and and uh, were a little more methodical than they needed to be. Uh, but it's a good movie, and, and Ben Affleck is great, and Anna Kendrick is great. Um, so... I, I think it's worth seeing. It's just not the greatest thing ever. Cool. Brooks? Well, for me, it's definitely one of the best black comedies in a long time. And I, since we're going on the 10 scale, I'm sticking with my 9. If it wasn't for that J.K. Simmons backstory where it's slowed down for a good 10 minutes and you're like, when is this going to be over? We don't care. Yeah. You don't. You never care about that part. They could have cut that whole subplot right out of the movie. It was all just a way to get things in motion, and it actually wasn't necessary. Yeah, and then I, 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 I'm really close to you. I want to get an 8.5 because I have a ton of fun with it. Uh, I, it's one that actually I want to take people to go see because I, <laughs> it's like, no, come <laughs> with me. You need to go <laughs> see how they react. Exactly, uh, but yeah, it, it's yeah, again because it's so there's so many cool little funny parts that I wasn't expecting. Uh, it is pretty action packed. Yes, there is some problems in, towards the middle. And I think at the end, the very last shot was a little bit too neat of a bow to put on everything. Yeah. A little uh, bit. But they did set it up for the sequel. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, your, your hero. There could be more to come. Spoiler alert, your hero drives off into the sunset, so. And maybe we'll get a better sequel than we did with Gross Point Blank. Yeah. So, I don't know, but I'd get 8.5, 9, 9 from Brooks, and then, uh, is it 6.5 from you, Andy, right? Yeah. Cool. So, again, I mean, it's, that, that, those are all pretty decent scores. I mean, even 6.5 is better than, you know, than... It's a good movie. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. It's just I didn't quite like it as much as you both did. So, speaking of movies that um, some of us liked, well, actually, no, we can't say that because none of us like this movie. None of us like this movie. <laughs> no. So, uh, we've talked about it recently because it was kind of making a festival circuit, but now it's getting its kind of bigger release everywhere else. Somehow. Somehow. And it is the uh, it's Halloween time. So, we've got the Greasy Strangler finally coming out. So, it sounds like a horror. It's, it sounds like a horror movie. It's this guy and his son who are uh, giving tours about Hollywood and killing people and... Disco tours of Hollywood. Don't Rudy, forget. Rudy Tootie, Disco Cutie. Rudy Tootie, Disco Cutie. Yeah, and uh, the dad, like, uh, Big Ron, Ronnie likes everything covered in grease. And then Literally. masquerades as this greasy, super-powered, evil guy who... Drenched in grease. Yeah, drenched in grease, and then... There is a really funny scene, though. Every time he gets back and gets cleaned up, he goes through a car wash. And the first time you see it, it's just, I laugh my ass off. And the first then, time was really fun. And then it did it 30 more times? Yeah, how about that? So, this, this is basically the director trying to be John Waters again. Uh, or trying to be, uh, channel John Waters. And yes, as funny as his movies are and as crude as they are, there was a kind of somewhat of a point behind them. Or a commentary, at least. Yeah, commentary on society. This one... There's nothing. Nothing. And it, it gets dumber as and it, it goes. it resets halfway through. It's almost like Mulholland Drive. Yeah. But, but Mulholland Drive made more sense. But that's <laughs> David Lynch, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he can make something that doesn't make sense make sense. So, Andy, unfortunately, I, I was... I really... This is one I wish you could have been there with us to see because oh, afterwards we got out, you know, making fun of it and talking about it. 
But the funny thing is, as much as this movie annoys us and pisses us off, we're still quoting it. <laughs> I think that there's those movies. Yeah. What I relate it to, I once went to a chain seafood restaurant, which shall remain unnamed, uh, be- and I, I ordered a, a, a seafood jambalaya pasta. It was bad. It was bad going down. And then for the next 48 hours, it, every time I burped, I tasted it again. And it stuck with me. That is what this movie is. It is, you know, I'm like, oh, I love, like, I love jambalaya. I've had a good jambalaya pasta before. That sounds like it would really hit the spot. No, awful, just terrible. It was bad going down, and then it stuck with you. And and that's what this movie is to me. I just, but I can't get it out of my head. And I, I think part of it is I have a little bit of loyalty and love for uh, the people behind it, because um, it's co-produced by uh, Tim League, who owns the Alamo Draft House here in town, and I want to be supportive of him and his movie ventures. But uh, gotta gotta do something better than this. So uh, I just I can't endorse this movie at all. And and as much as I want to, as much as I want to say, oh yeah, you, you can go for a good midnight movie. No, 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 you can't. Just go watch something else that's better. Uh, this is really not worth checking out at all. It's not so bad it's good. It's so bad it goes right back around the circle again, and it's so bad it's bad again. Yeah, and actually Brooks showed me a little bit of trivia, so apparently this movie was originally two hours and five minutes long. Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh. Like cut out. Minutes. There's 45 more minutes of this somewhere. But see, the thing with this, also the, the horrible person inside me with this movie is like, yeah, because there were parts that were really funny that I did enjoy. Um, so I can't. It, then it just went and became stupid. But it's almost one of those movies you need to get just to show people to see how long they can last. That's true. It's like an endurance yes. movie, like a marathon to see how far you can get into this piece of crap before you just throw up your hands and say, I give up. Let's, just, let's blow up the world and start over. There's nothing worthwhile. <laughs> nothing. Oh, I don't know. That but sounds about right. Yeah, that's you almost I would say the Rift Track guys need to take take hold of it, but it's NC seventeen, so I doubt they would yeah, step up there. Yeah, they would never be able to do it because <laughs> no one would watch it. Yeah. Or even like hey, I don't know. Even with the like at Brewies, but again we couldn't do that because if they yeah, got, if they got pissed in Daredevil. In <laughs> so there is I, there is so much dong in this movie, it's ridiculous. But it's all the and it's all the old greasy guy in the car wash, and it's just like ugh. his large prosthetic penis. Over, yeah. Over. Um, I don't over know. But I just, as they said in the movie, this film was made by a bunch of bullshit artists. Yeah. <laughs> bullshit artists. <laughs> That's what we um, got from the movie. They're all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't. I, if I if, again, I don't remember what I gave it before. I think if I had to rate it. I'd have to give it a one out of ten just because there were a couple moments made me laugh, and we keep quoting and we keep quoting the stupid thing. Like I still go around saying Rudy Tootie just the cutie for no reason. We call each other bullshit artists all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But hey, you were at a zero, weren't you? Uh, no, I think I, I think I'm at a one. It's, it's still not as bad as Gods of Egypt. 
<laughs> so I can't I can't quite give it a zero, but I just it's like this director said, huh? What would be the aesthetically pleasing and normal thing to do here? I'm going to do the opposite, and you get a whole movie of that. And so the whole time it's like you just like hold back the vomit and um, just not not pleasurable at all at least with the john waters movie you can be like oh that's kind of gross but it's quirky and and kind of cute in a way uh, this never got there so yeah one and but there's but see but john waters had i mean his comedy will at least make you laugh and we'll have to make sure we do put an explicit warning on this this episode because we're talking about some naughty things but in female trouble were uh Divine's father's stepdad's like, come over here and give daddy some love. She's like, I wouldn't suck your dick if I was suffocating and there was air in your balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Divine. But see, like, that, Divine was like a force in and of herself. And and by the way, uh, there is a documentary out there that oh, was yeah. making the festival rounds a couple years ago about Divine. If you can find that, check it out. Really good. And even it is most watered down, if you would consider Serial Mom watered down John Waters, it was still hilarious. Oh, Serial Mom was like, wearing I white after Labor Day? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the documentary was just called I Am Divine. And it... it That's it right. Divine from being a young kid, growing up, uh, meeting John Waters, becoming kind of the superstar she became, and then... Um, but yeah, I mean, even... I'd say arguably his best film was uh, Hairspray. Yeah, and Hairspray. I mean, it's lived on obviously with a, the Broadway musical. musical and the movie based on the Broadway musical, and now the live version coming out. So, I mean, everyone knows who John Waters is, and he, even though yes, like especially Pink Flamingos had you know was was very crass and out there, but it was also at a point of time where you had the sexual revolution happening, you had the LGBT community finally putting their foot down and saying, "Screw this, we're not going to take it anymore." Um, so it was very avant garde. It was very edgy. But that was the point, was that it was trying to pull in this counterculture, and I don't, I don't think if you would have had some of those stuff, you wouldn't, you may not have seen the way society has progressed till now, and even though you say society progression was based on the gift only a mother can give, uh, <laughs> it kind of was, because it was breaking through those barriers and saying like, hey, no, we're, we're going to push through this, we're going to do it our way, um, whether you like it or not. So I think there's, every, every gay kid out there has a debt, of, a debt to pay. John Waters, so go buy his collection and watch his movies. That's the thing about John Waters, is like, he elevated these weirdos and misfits who were not accepted in society. Um, I don't feel like Big Ronnie and, and, and Little Ronnie are, like, misfits as much as just, like, they're just terrible people. And, I mean, he's a serial killer. So it's like, well, I, I don't, I don't get it. This, this didn't have anything to say. And they're, they're preying on people who are misfits and, uh, and don't really fit in. So I just, yeah, it's, it's, John Waters always seemed to feel like he was, you know, as gross as it was, he was writing a love letter to these folks and saying like, it's fun to be weird and I'm going to push the buttons to make the normies mad at me. Uh, yeah. You know, the, there isn't a trace of that in this. And um, and I, I don't think that that is a sentiment, like, necessary in 2016, unfortunately. Because 
a lot of that stuff is out there. Serial killing and getting all greased up to strangle people is not acceptable and and probably never will be and probably never should be. So, uh, yeah, I just it's it's not a it's not John Waters. I know John Waters, and you, sir, are no John Waters. <laughs> anyway, he didn't make any movies. The last thing he did was Dirty Shame. And there was, now, Dirty Shame had some great moments in it, especially the one involving the hokey pokey and the water bottle. But uh, he needs to come out and do something. He's just kind of been sitting on his laurels doing the, the talk show circuit. Well, it's like they killed him off in the Chucky movie, and he just gave up. Yeah. Like, I guess this is as good as I get. We need, we need a John Waters reinvention, just like RuPaul had with Drag Race. <laughs> He was he was in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie last year. You <laughs> said uh, uh, there was a really dirty joke where Alvin was like, you know, you can't say anything because I've seen Pink Flamingos or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's put a John Waters joke in this G-rated kids movie. Wow. I, I laughed. I mean, wasn't that the only time you laughed? Yeah, that was the only redeeming <laughs> thing in that entire movie. Yeah, you were probably the only person in the theater, weren't you, who, who got that? Yeah. Me and, like, two other critics. We all just kind of giggled for a second. Rats are like, well, I guess that was our one joke. Yep. So, in, uh, going back to John Waters, Eddie owns the, uh, the John Waters collection that has all the movies, except for one, Multiple Maniacs, which was one of his first films he ever did. It's only been available on VHS, and I just found it. It is actually available to stream on Amazon. Oh. If you subscribe to this weird new channel they have, it's like five bucks a month. It's a shutter? Con no. TV. What? I don't know. I, I just looked it up and saw it, but that's the one that it's only on VHS. So if you want to get a copy, it's like sixty bucks. Um, and they are making they just stopped making VHS players, so you might need to go buy one now. I have mine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Multiple Maniacs was the one where Divine gets raped by a stuffed lobster. Oh, like you do, like you do. So uh, speaking of horrible things, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brooks, talk to us about so. It's funny, you, you kept on telling me you were getting these Arrow movies, and I thought you were talking about the Arrow TV series. <laughs> and I was like, you know, know. It's, it's all streaming, right? You, you were know? so confused. I was so confused. Um, I was like, I got more Arrow Blu-rays, and you're like, are they sending you one episode at a time? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, exp- what is Arrow? So, explain to us what this kind of is and how it ties in with our Halloween theme for this month. Well, the easiest way to explain Arrow video is you could call them the Criterion version of genre films mm-hmm. where Criterion loves their artsy fartsy and once in a while they slip in something a little more mainstream these like guys the, like uh, Armageddon yeah like Armageddon and The Rock and The Rock yes gotta love those Michael Bay Criterion discs <laughs> <laughs> so what they've decided to do was provide brand new remasters mostly 2K 4K from original sources no less of movies most people will never have heard of. Yeah, you probably me, haven't seen. You you, you send the list over the ones that you've gotten, I and of them all, about twenty five movies on the list. I've known, I've seen, I've seen one, and I've heard of three. Because <laughs> they're kind of they're they're a little bit more obscured out there. You know, mostly horror. Mostly horror. You got some they're Italian horror. Huge over in the UK. That's where they started. They finally brought in a US release, and so now I have been getting. <laughs> non-stop disc which I am extremely thankful for because some of these movies are amazing that you've never heard of maybe unless you're Quentin Tarantino because there's one on here that he loves Mm -hmm. which which plays all the time for his friends and a lot of them are 80s movies thank god (laughs) 
because we all know 80s was the best time for horror. But anyway, I figured probably the best thing to do would just run through some titles. Yeah, give us... If you've heard of any, you can chime in. If yeah. you've seen them, you can chime in. Hopefully this doesn't sound like a big disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have them written down on a piece of paper, but I also divided them out into a spreadsheet to kind of go over. So we'll get some of them out of the way that don't really fit. I'll go backwards, because I went. I got... Horror comedies, horror, Asian cinema. Well, I guess there's Jallo, which would be your Italian, your Italian horror, yeah. yeah. Which we just talked about uh, was last week, the week before, was Suspiria. <gasps> Ooh, yes. What are you making? I know. Um, a couple of thrillers, a few comedies, some action movies. So maybe we can just do like maybe the best one out of each genre. Well, some of them only have like two. No, oh, well, so it won't be that bad. Let me go back. So, like, the ones that don't really fit any of the categories, there's the Dillinger movie, mm-hmm. uh, Ray Harryhausen documentary, special effects titan. Obviously, film fans will want to watch that one. As far as action movies go, there's a couple of movies. There's Sheba Baby, which is our... Um, why can I not think of her name? Foxy Brown, Jackie Brown, Pam Greer. Oh. Duh. <laughs> I was like, I'm blanking on the name right now. Pam Greer's in that one. Uh, there's another movie called Dead End Drive-In. It's kind of a... Um, basically, it looks like Mad Max set at a high-security drive-in theater. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tarantino's favorite, one of his, The Swinging Cheerleaders, falls in the comedies along with one that isn't really a comedy. So we'll mention Return of the Killer Tomatoes first. Which, again, I did, I've seen the original Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, a lot of people haven't seen the sequel, which is funny because it has... Uh, doesn't it have George Clooney in it, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clooney and his magnificent mullet. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's another movie called The Zero Boys, which actually is one of my favorites on this list. Probably my favorite. I'm looking through some of the titles now, um, it's... A movie people need to see because the way I described it to Adam when I got here is imagine if the camp counselors from Friday the 13th Mm -hmm. ran into the cast of Deliverance on the set of Hostel. (laughs) But it's funny. That sounds awesome. I want to see that movie. Right? Exactly. That was the one that surprised me the most. Um, they, They go out they're on their way somewhere out in the middle of the woods and they it rains and their car breaks down so they hole up at a house and wackiness surprisingly ensues there you go it, it was it's a little bizarre the way it mashes together and it does jump from one thing to the other but it's so good at what it does There's, <laughs> the, the funniest line in the movie is they hear a woman scream off into the woods and someone says, oh, that's just Mother Nature raping another helpless victim. Oh, God. <laughs> or something like that. But it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. So, yeah, definitely look for the Zero Boys. You won't be sorry. There's a thriller with um, Kathleen Turner called Crimes of Passion. A black and white artsy thriller called Suture. Uh, let's see. We'll do. There's only three in the Asian cinema market. There was the Female Prisoner Scorpion Complete Collection, which actually is another Tarantino. If you watch the trailer, there's a very familiar song in it. 
that made me happy when I heard it this morning. (laughs) (laughs) It's always fun when you go back and watch some of these trailers for older movies and you hear something and you're like, what is this? And then you're like, oh, yeah, duh. It's from a Quentin Tarantino movie. (laughs) Of course it is. It's an Asian woman revenge movie. (laughs) And uh, there's a huge box set called the Outlaw Gangster VIP Collection. And then there's another uh, ninja movie called Pray for Death. Nothing wrong with some New York set ninja. And then, now we basically have the horror movies. So straight out horror would be, everyone knows Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. Uh Uh, There's a Roger Corman project called Bloodbath that got divided up and the studios messed with it. And there's three different versions of the movie on the set because it was released a bunch of different times in different formats hmm. and it's just they managed to get their hands on all of them oh nice another one called American Horror Project which is some really not great definitely not great um, American Horror which includes The Witch That Came From The Sea Carnival of Blood and The Premonition which actually was the best of the three. Premonition was the best, which that came from the sea was the most interesting, and Carnival of Blood was just boring. And a little too artsy for what it was. <laughs> but a Carnival of Blood sounds like so much fun. How did they... That's a that's a surefire premise, and they messed it up. That's terrible. Yeah. I know, all you do is just... I mean, you and Toby Hooper can pull that off. You can do that with Funhouse. Well, the guys who made, uh, I can't remember what it's called, though. They, they did uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. Their oh, sequel was yeah. The Devil's Carnival. And we were excited for that because I, Repo is amazing, but <laughs> uh, it was one of the ones where I, I, we got to the end and I was like, I can't believe I spent 15 bucks to buy that. <laughs> we should probably go over a few of the Giallo movies first. There's The Bloodstained Butterfly, What Have You Done to Solange, which was actually really, really good. And has, so it's kind of timely now because it deals with abortion. Abortion. That, that word that rhymes with smortion. <laughs> and it, it has to do with Solange, who is trending now and showing beyond. I'm sorry, I tried to make a Solange Knowles joke. <laughs> There's a box set called Death Walks Twice, which in- includes Death Walks on High Hills and Death Walks at Midnight. Uh, they were both directed by Luciano or Coley. That's why those two are together. Let's go. It's actually the prequel to the Postman Rings Twice. <laughs> You'd never know. And then there's one called Killer Dames, which includes... If that's not like a gritty film noir like thing. I'm Neither of them are. No, they're both Giallo. Really? Yeah, both of the sets are Giallo movies. Uh, there's Killer Dames. It has The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Don't let the title confuse you, Adam. Ooh. The night Evelyn came out of a grave. Oh boy, both of those are very misleading. <laughs> so there's those. Uh, good luck finding these anywhere other than on Blu ray now, but you're going to get what you pay for. I'll give them that to Arrow. Now, here's some that most people may have heard of Bride of Reanimator, mm-hmm. which actually got re released. This is the second time I brought that one out. Uh, slugs, you got your creature feature. Uh, vamp, got your vampire comedy. Some uh, microwave massacre. 
which just looks really bad, and even the trailer calls it the worst horror movie ever made. But I think it's talking about its budget. <laughs> and the one that most people may have heard, aside from Bride of Reanimator and The Hills Have Eyes, is The Stuff. Oh yeah, The Stuff everyone knows I think about. everyone remembers The Stuff if they were a fan of horror in the, in the 80s. And if you haven't seen it, you've probably seen the cover of it. You'll look it up, guarantee it rings a bell. Good old VHS tapes, I miss them so much. <laughs> Back when movies had art instead of Photoshop. But yeah, if you want if you want to check out the movies, you can order them online. Um, their main website is aerofilms.co.uk. Um, but I think they're, they're on, on Amazon, Amazon and everything. Everything yeah. that's US is on Amazon. But I'm very jealous of their UK movies because they have rights to so many movies I want on Blu-ray. The two biggest being my Joe Dante favorites, Matinee and The Burbs, which got a full 4K restore. I can't believe they didn't In release Europe? that here. Yep, um, and it's a director's cut. Oh, wow. While we get stuck with a sad sack Universal catalog dumping. Yeah, but at least it's on Blu-ray. But at least now. it's on Blu-ray. I mean, I bought it to support it, but <laughs> I would rather support the other version where it looks as good as it should. Because I love my Joe Dante. Yes. All right, well, that's going to take it for the end of the week. We got an you know, overall pretty good movie out of the theaters. Uh, one movie that's horrible that no one should go see. <laughs> Um, and then some great horror action, everything classics that uh, have been remastered and kind of released the way they should be. Oh, real quick. Actually, while we're talking about our horror movies, anyone with Netflix needs to watch Hush immediately. I watched it last night. That thing's amazing. Yeah, I've, again, it's one I've heard about, but I've never I really had a desire to see. So, Well, I know it only has 13 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's at 100%. Oh. Stephen King raved about it. I find, had it in my queue for months, and then I figured he's directing the new Ouija movie. Maybe I should see it because I hated the ending of Oculus. I thought I'd give him a second chance. Glad I did. Hush, you need to see right now. So, uh, yeah. Then speaking of Ouija, so next week the movies we got are uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil, because no one demanded it. Uh, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, and then Keeping Up with the Joneses. So, seen it. Yeah. Overall, couple. couple Good number of movies next week. We're actually finally getting a horror release. Whether or not it'll be worth watching is up to... I'm crossing my fingers after last night. Yeah, so we'll see. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly.